We love you, Lord. Praise the Lord. He loves us so much and he wants to he wants to hear that we love him. He wants to know that in our hearts we love him. Isn't that amazing? That our God, so great and perfect in all his ways, so majestic, created the heavens and the earth, desires that we love him. And sometimes we miss the mark, don't we? We're honest. We miss the mark. We get distracted. He's a gracious God and he's a loving God. And we are his children and he cares for us. Hallelujah. So just moving into the, I think Andrew's got a presentation there, hopefully. Thank you, Andrew, for saving us today. Hopefully it'll come up. Philippians chapter one, if you'd like to turn to it in your Bibles. And just looking at verses one to 10. What's on my heart today is a wee pastoral word to our fellowship at this particular point in time. And if we just move on to the actual scriptures it's itself, please, Andrew. And as there's a wee transition, I'll just move along as we read it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people, in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Father, this is your word. We pray that you will speak today in Jesus' name to this fellowship, to my heart, to all of our hearts, what your spirit would say to the church at New Beginnings in Mary's one today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm thinking about this as a pastoral conversation to our fellowship here at New Beginnings Church. And it's interesting, these, these are pastoral letters, aren't they, from 
the Apostle Paul, churches that he helped plant and establish. But at this stage, Paul has got himself in some trouble just because he preached the gospel, just because he talked about Jesus. He didn't do anything sinful and wrong to get into the situation he was in. He just did God's work. He changed from being a persecutor of Christ to being a preacher of Christ. And it got him into a lot of trouble because people didn't want to hear the message and the enemy was coming against him, just like it does to us. Being a Christian is not easy, is it? It's not easy. They lived in a society that rejected Christ en masse and a minority at times received him. Do we not live in the same day today when you would feel as if there's a vast majority pushing against the good news of Jesus Christ and if you preach it, you're going against the grain, aren't you? Nothing new there. But God is working powerfully to turn upside down the world's wrong systems and the world's wrong way of thinking and the lies, frankly, that drive people away from God. So through no fault of his own behavior, Paul ends up in a jail cell. And if you and I were in that situation, we say, you know, I will follow Christ and it's going to be great, isn't it? It's going to be great. That's what the preacher told me. It's going to be great. But you know, life gets hard pretty quickly. And Jesus told us not to expect that we wouldn't have trouble. He told you, you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. You'll get trouble in this world. Why? Because this world is still full of the enemy's schemes and lies and tactics, influencing people to do sinful things. And we still have sinful natures in the world today that are able to disobey God and do evil things. Therefore, that's why there's trouble in the world, isn't it? But hallelujah, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power unto salvation, full stop. So Paul's able to say in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power. What's the power? It's the truth of God displayed in the person of Christ. That's the gospel. The truth of God displayed in the person of Christ. What's the truth of God? The Lamb of God slain for the world. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. But it wasn't free in that it had to be, it was freely given, but it was paid. The punishment was paid. The price was paid by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Your sin and my sin was placed upon him. But it didn't stop there. The perfect Lamb of God was buried and raised again on the third day, defeating, conquering, once and for all time, the power and the grip of sin and death. And that power was broken. Amen. When Jesus said, it is finished, that means the price was paid. He, Colossians tells us he triumphed over the enemy and all of his schemes at the cross. Do you believe that? But the working of that triumph happens in a life like your life and mine. When at a point in time we realize I'm a sinner, I've fallen short of God's glory, and do you know what? I really need a savior. And then you find out about him, and you find out about the wonderful Jesus who came and showed God's love to people who didn't deserve it, just like you and me. And you find out about the perfect Lamb of God 
who had people punish him unfairly, treated terrible, crucified the worst death. Why did he do it? Because God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that you might believe in him. That I might believe in him. This is the Jesus that we believe in. This is the Jesus we serve. Can I suggest to you that once you really encounter Jesus like that, you'll go to a prison cell for him. And when you're in a prison cell for him, you'll still praise God in the prison cell. Because you've had an encounter with Christ. That's challenging for you and I, isn't it? Don't feel like praising God when you're in a prison cell. Don't feel like praying for other people when you're in a prison cell. You're more praying for yourself, probably, if you're anything like me. But what you're seeing in Paul's life is available to ours life. This is the transforming nature of what happens when Jesus saves us all. Paul's not some kind of super spiritual, wonderful, magical man, you know. Paul is a sinner saved by grace. What are you and I? The same. Does he have a different power? No. The Holy Spirit was given to Paul, given to the early believers. We read in Ephesians, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to all of you now. Wow. Do we really experience that? at times or do we somewhat does our faith fall short that we put god down in a wee box again okay god just stay on sunday and i'll i'll come and meet you then but when we have an encounter with christ it's a life-changing encounter it doesn't mean that paul lived a perfect life he said himself i am not where i should be i strive on Towards the goal, what do they mean? I'm not a perfect man. The only perfect man is the one I'm looking to. And the one I'm looking to, his name's Jesus, and he's perfect. Amen? Amen. Not a perfect man, but a man who's striving. A man who's saying, I'm not where I was, but I'm going somewhere. I'm going to press on. And that pressing on is really important, isn't it? Because life gets really tough. And if you don't know where you're going, then you're not going to move forward. You know, we've, some of us have said, cheerio, not goodbye, see you later to some of our loved ones recently. And the joy we have when the believer says, goes to sleep, is that we'll see them again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about that as going to sleep. I'm thinking of my brother Stanley Shaw, who's now with the Lord, who talked about these things wonderfully, didn't he? Believers sleep, he would say. Scriptural. Fall asleep. It's not death. Our souls go on for eternity. The Bible teaches we're either going to heaven or hell. Our souls live on beyond this life. That's a lie of the enemy is to try and trick us into thinking this life is the end. That's an absolute lie. And it's a sad, hopeless existence, isn't it? So you and I have something in our hearts. Do you know what it is? It's the good news. You know, we used to call some of our halls the gospel hall. And in some ways, I'm a wee bit sad we don't call them that anymore. Because the Bible says the word is called gospel. And the word is good news. And it's the power of God for salvation. And if the church is not preaching that and speaking out, we know Jesus. And you need to get to know him. 
it's the most important decision of your life. If we're not doing that fervently, then something is wrong. So just back to the application. Paul is a demonstration of what you and I should also be modeling. A sinner saved by grace, given good news, preaching it, despite what happens to you, even when the worst things happen. That's a challenge to me. So I'm sure it's a challenge to you. But surely we've been set examples here in Scripture of believers who went through beatings. What did Paul go through? Beatings, trials, almost to the point of death, prison, shipwrecked. Amen? I'm not far down in that list to compete with him, I can tell you at this stage. And sometimes we need to put things into perspective, isn't it? Sometimes in our prayer meeting relatively recently, someone prayed and I felt it was scriptural and from the Lord. We need to somehow get out of our own circumstances and start praying bigger. Amen? Because when you see God's people pray, Paul could have listed 10 prayer requests for himself. But instead what he says is, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He starts by blessing them, not wallowing in his own situation. He has thanksgiving despite his trials. He moves into verse 2, I thank my God every time I remember you. you know, sometimes when we have a bad situation or a difficult trial, our tendency in the natural is to focus on the problem, isn't it? And I'm just going to cycle through that problem in my mind over and over and over again. But Jesus said, don't be anxious. Don't worry about tomorrow. Philippians 4 says, don't be anxious about anything. Do you know what we're doing? When we wrap around a problem again and again, we're being anxious, I suggest to you. What we're doing is rolling around anxious thoughts often and not being able to get out of it. I've been there. We had it this morning. We're running about with computers trying to get them to work. You naturally feel anxious. But then I just thought, well, I'll just pray because there's nothing I can do. It's either going to work or it's not. But life is like that. Things happen, but we can't wallow in the problem. We must pray through it. And we must pray. Philippians 4 also tells us, pray with what? Pray with thanksgiving. Even when you don't feel like it. Why? Because we should always be giving God thanks for who he is. One of the things I think that starts to really help us is when our view of Christ becomes closer to us, or when our view of God becomes nearer to us than anything around. And I still strive for that, and just like Paul strived for that. When ultimately my relationship with God becomes all that I need, challenging for me to say that, easy for that to slip off my tongue, isn't it? But when he's all I need, And the people I've looked up to, who I would describe, not using the term lightly, as a godly person, who are they? They're the people who had God close. They're the people who were in the Word daily. They were the people who were in prayer daily. They're the people who loved Jesus with all their heart, as far as I could tell. And they were the people that loved others. And we can go up hot and cold, can't we? Like the church at Laodicea. You're neither hot nor cold. Make up your mind. But a real litmus test of whether we're hot or cold is how much do we feel we love Jesus? How much is he everything we need? 
the hymn writer Graham Kendrick, based on Paul's words later in Philippians, says, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. That's based on, if you read it through, and I challenge you, go back and read. I'm reading through these scriptures, not boasting about it, but I read through the scriptures. We have to read through it daily, and you should be reading entire books, not just verses, not just a daily reading. We should be reading Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and more and more. Because if you're, as our brother, uh, Alan McBride quoted, which was a quote, I think, of my grandpa Steve, if you put bad stuff in, you're going to get bad stuff out, and if you put the good stuff in, you're getting good stuff out. And it's so true with the word of God, isn't it? If you don't put it in, don't expect to be changed by it. By listening to a sermon for one hour on a Sunday. Amen. Our brother Michael Healy says he challenged the church at Finley not to rely on the Sunday services and the weekly mid midweek Bible study, but to have their chosen time every day. Get into the word yourself in your, in your chosen time each day, however long that is, and make sure you're reading and praying. And I think that's a biblical principle. We're not told to, it's, I'm relying on my Christian walk, depending on what David is doing today. My Christian walk is dependent on how I'm doing today with the word of God and in prayer, isn't it? But the beauty of a fellowship is we're not meant to live this life alone because it's difficult. So you've got that personal walk that you have to nurture but also you need to connect in regularly with a church fellowship there needs to be a balance it's all about that balance isn't it it's neither one or the other it's both i can say i'm a great christian i'm just going to meet in isolation <laughs> i'm just going to meet me myself and i me and god that's it but that's not what the bible describes as fellowship god is a triune god father son holy spirit what does that tell us god's a god of fellowship he didn't create us for isolation, to worship in, on ourselves and our own. He created us to be part of a fellowship, which leads me to the next part. So he says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel or your fellowship, you're joining together with me. In the, in the preaching of the gospel, in the living out of the gospel. Some of the commentators looking at this would all, and it also fits with the rest of the Philippians. If you read that the Philippians had given money, had given actual gifts, much like we've done to New Beginnings Argentina. We're not boasting about it, but we are a giving church. And God expects the church to be given, not just with your actions, but with your pocket. And Paul had needs and this church was supplying him. So part of the partnership that we have with New Beginnings Argentina is gifts. Part of the partnership Philippians had with Paul was gifts. And he says later on, I'm now amply supplied because of the gift you've given and the other gifts have received. So I want to encourage us, let's keep being a giving church. And that means close to home ministry. And it means so-called far away, but it's all one, isn't it? Like we just saw today, New Beginnings, Argentina. And it's a partnership ministry. And as we said earlier on, we're not perfect. We're hopefully, by the grace of God and his sanctification and our response of obedience every day, we become a bit more like Jesus every day. And Paul is confident in that fact. 
he says, verse 6, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. One fundamental truth of the church of Jesus Christ is it's not man that's building it. It's God that's building it and establishing it. And that means the people as well. Is that true? Who is it that saves? It's God. Who is it that builds up and matures and sanctifies? It's God's. Yes, we can partner with God in that mission, but ultimately, he is the one building the kingdom. He's using us as instruments to do that. We saw wonderful pictures there of a building, physical building going up. Great, isn't it? That's part of God's kingdom purpose. He's been worked out in the natural building. But the real building there are the people of God meeting in their wee deck chairs in the prayer meeting with no screaming sound system and a few lights switched on. Scripture says we are God's building with living stones. So everybody's really, really important. One of the things I think can get us really down in life is we feel somehow as if we don't have value. That is a lie, can I tell you that? That is not God. God sees you with ultimate value, so much value that he sent his only begotten son to pay the price for you and I. So see when we're not, sometimes not doing well, like you and I are, let's remember the value that God placed on your life, on your life, on my life, before we ever loved him, before we ever did anything. In response to his love, Romans 5 tells us he did it all. He loved us first. And this is the wee bit of the upside down bit of Christianity, isn't it? But it's a good upside down. It's the only place in your life that you don't earn anything. That you just receive it and believe it is true. Because God is so good that he did the whole work of salvation for us. Why? Because he loves us. And he expects to see that work completed in us. And he is working by the power of his spirit to do it. Who can testify in here that you know God is working in your life by the grace of God? By the grace of God. He's carrying you, isn't he? He's carrying you. And you know when he's carrying you. And you know when his presence is with you. So therefore, let's believe the promise that he'll carry on this good work in us. So again, let's think about how we should be behaving then or how we should be feeling towards one another. What is a church like this? It's a heart relationship, verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, says Paul, since I have you in my heart. Two things to notice there. One thing is, he doesn't exclude anybody from his statement. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you. And secondly, he talks about how deep that feeling goes. He says, ah, since I have you in my heart. I think we could just stop there and you could maybe spend the whole sermon just looking at looks of that one verse to try and really let it go deep. But can we say that we've received Christ's love to an extent where you can look around this room today 
and online you can look at each other and you can say with all the truth before you and the holy god i love you brother and sister i love you with the best strength that god gives me today and what i've received in the love of christ i'm able to in some way bless you in the name of jesus And that outward look, as you look to other people online or in the hall, and you focus on them and you pray God's blessing on them and you say, I've got you in my heart. You're looking at people out with your own situation, out with your own difficulties, and it's healthy for you, isn't it? Because you're acting like God. Because he stepped down from heaven. Jesus stepped down from a positional place that he could have remained. To come to a sinful world that he chose to do. Why? Because he wanted to have an outward connection. To every one of us, he wanted to rescue our lost souls. So he expects us to do the same. So you've got brothers and sisters here today that are hurting. Go and speak to them. Show the love of Christ to them and put your arm around them if that's appropriate. Cry with them. Rejoice with them. Love them. Just sit beside them. That's the church of Jesus Christ. And you say, well, I can't do that at a distance. So Maureen, I'm, I'm sad that we'll not have that near connection. You're going to wait to Cornwall. And I'm sad I can't just jump in a time machine or the TARDIS and appear in New Beginnings, Argentina, because I'm probably not going two days in a flight, because <laughs> I'm not too good in planes. Yeah. We would love to do that, but there's no excuse for not having this same blessing and this same outward look and this same uh, love at a distance. So I pray you'll know that, Maureen, and that we'll know that. That you move location, you move to the about as south as it gets <laughs> on the beach. But we love you. We pray God's blessing on you. And this church in Argentina that we've not stepped foot in, we love them, don't we? We love them because we know they, they love Jesus. We know they're serving him, they're doing good things for his kingdom. And this is just me closing now. Just a wee check on our hearts, on my heart today, when all is stripped away, how are we doing in our heart? Strip everything away. How are we doing in our heart today? How are we doing in our heart, in our love for God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? How are we doing in our heart in relation to our love for our brothers and sisters in this room and online? Because there's a way to be in a good condition in your heart and there's a way to be not so good. And it's dependent on our response. We've been forgiven much, therefore we should flow that. We've been loved much, so we should flow that. We've received much grace, so how much grace should we flow? Abundantly. We've been shown mercy, how much mercy should we show? Now the Bible doesn't excuse sin, and I'm just closing now. And when people do wrong things, it's really important that as Christians we hold people to account, you hold me to account. If we hurt one another, we should deal with that. It doesn't mean that we just love people and expect to be hurt by them, no. We go against the word of God and if somebody is sinning, then we go and confront that in love and we try and deal with that, amen? 
But usually that's not the problem. It's just you and I, our hearts are a bit cold or we're a bit stuck in the situation we're in. There's maybe not a massive issue, but we just need to examine our hearts again. And that's more of the pastoral challenge I have for you. Don't let life circumstances, don't let you and I be overwhelmed by life circumstances or even by grief and loss and various other things that are happening. It's so easy, isn't it? Let's try and go with the model of Jesus who thought of others more than himself. The scriptural model of bless others and you'll also be blessed. And church is the perfect way to do that. So I love you very much, every one of you. And I trust that you're as we pray verse 9 that we'll know this love more and in this and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through jesus christ to the glory and praise of god amen So let's pray. Father, we, we just thank you for your word to us today. Thank you, Father, for just how you're even just working on my own heart today. In the stripping away of other things, Father. We love you, God. And I pray that the love of Christ might abound indeed more and more in New Beginnings Church here. And give us your wisdom and fan into flame your ministry through all the various folks in this particular church body so that we might be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and demolish all the schemes of the enemy in Jesus' mighty name. So I pray as fo folks just as we conclude this service that we might know your hand of blessing in your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay.